When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Sandra Winka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Yannick Noah. This is Adam Kent alongside our miniature Dachshund Lou. We're from Folsom, California, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and thank you to Adam Kint and lovely little Dax and Lou for your intro to the show there. Greetings to you over in California. Uh, the good news, folks, is that it is no longer January 2021. The bad news is that it is February. Um, <laughs> and that is uh, a disappointing fact of the Gregorian calendar. But to any of you that uh, completed dry January, you have my utmost respect an admiration and bafflement. Uh, how but, did you uh, I, I salute you. I, I was. I, I never lied to myself, David. I did. <laughs> I did not even attempt. <laughs> I'm all about self care at the moment. <laughs> uh, my best friend did though, and uh, she loves a wine. So many, many congratulations. I honestly. What's her name? Kay. Well then, Kay. Well done, Kay. You're not listening, but still, well then. She listens, actually, despite not really being a tennis fan. That's that's love, isn't it? Yeah. She just likes Um, to listen to Matt, I think. Matt, how how dry or otherwise was your January? (laughs) Actually, pretty dry in in all senses. (laughs) (laughs) He's nothing if not consistent. (laughs) Anyway, uh, it's wet February. Yeah, and, uh, and actually February's satisfying this month, isn't it? Because it's it's four perfect weeks. It's four oh, Monday yes. to Sundays. Yes. It, it fits very neatly on the little phone calendar. That mm. is very true. That also features the Australian Open, so... Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm up Catherine's for it. birthday. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Great month ahead, <laughs> because tennis has returned. Really? Uh, and boy, has it. Oh, dear. <laughs> I mean... Matt... There was there was sixty matches that took place overnight UK time, uh, so on on during the day on Monday in Australia, and I thought, well, that's too much to get my head around. I'll just I'll just sort of filter some out for a couple of days until things calm down, uh, and there are slightly fewer matches on the schedule. But then Matt informed me that there are how many taking place overnight tonight? Eighty two. <gasps> Due to the addition of the ATP Cup to the schedule. How many is there going to be the next and, night? And that's not even with all the tournaments underway yet, mm. because the um, Hard Quarantine Cup, which is actually the Grampians Open, Grampians Trophy. Yeah, I think we'll go with Hard Quarantine hard Cup. Hard Quarantine like Cup, um, yeah. which is a WTA event. That doesn't start until Wednesday. Mm. No offence to Grampians, which sounds like a lovely place, but... You know. No, and, and apparently the names of all of these uh, tournaments are, they're named in honour of places that were badly hit by the bushfires of last year, which is a lovely gesture and yeah, I really it support is. it. I just can't quite get my head around it. Uh, we really are trying. Um, I, I think I've nailed 
the names themselves. We've got the Yarra Valley. We've got the Great Ocean Road. We've got Gippsland, very much on top of Gippsland, loving Gippsland, future holiday destination for Catherine Whitaker. What I am not remotely on top of is who is playing in which tournament, especially is it's all on the same order of play. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, they're at the same... I hadn't quite processed that that would be the case pre-tournament because they're all being set, played at the same venues. So, yes, it's in the small print of the order of play, which which tournament they belong to. But, my goodness me, it's it's a lot to process. Yes, you just get an order of play for Melbourne Park rather than for the actual tournament. <laughs> and that order of play within it contains five or six different tournaments. Uh, it, it, it's quite the organisational feat if if they can pull this off, mm. but it, but it isn't half confusing. And Which, I mean, I watched the whole match this morning. I honestly couldn't tell you what tournament it was, but I did enjoy the actual tennis. That's sort of my approach to it. I'm just I'm accepting the fact that I can't get to grips with all of the details of it, and just enjoying just sort of picking a match, watching it, and enjoying it for what it is. And maybe it's not that relevant at this stage i mean obviously once it gets to quarters semis final it Mm. it will become relevant what what tournament they're in and who they end up playing but at the moment when it's just kind of on the lookout for what's the level of tennis like do these players look like the the players that we've that we know them to be um maybe what draw they're in is kind of neither here than here nor there what do you think david yeah, well, I I, th- I think the draw that I'm most interested in is the one that takes place in a couple of days' time in the Hard Quarantine Cup, whatever it is, where the pl- <laughs> every player has been in 14 days of quarantine without any access to practice courts or anything else, partly because I'm curious to see whether they look troubled physically by that or not, and partly because it's just a really good draw. It's a smaller draw, I think, and it's just full of gr- big names, Bianca Andreescu, Angelique Kerber, lots and lots of players that I'm really interested to see over the course of, of, of that week. But there are six tournaments going on at the same time in the same venue this week, one of which is the ATP Cup, which such a song and dance was made about a year ago, and yet... It feels. I mean, look. It, I'm glad it's going on because it's another another source of entertainment and an opportunity for these players and for us to watch. But it it's so strange as a feeling to just cram all this stuff into into a single week into a single venue. But this is one of the best indicators of it being a new world of the lot. I would say the fact that. that we just all accepted. There's no, there's no alternative. This is all they can do, and this is what we were, what I was certainly campaigning for a, a month or so ago. Just make it work somehow. And and I think I actually think the way they've rustled up this hard quarantine cup for these players was a real stroke of mm. ingenuity. I, I love that they did that. And yeah, it's a it's a mess looking at this order of play and this life. And I don't know what's going on half the time. <laughs> I feel like you have got to choose a match. You've got to choose something you're interested in watching. But it is also lovely to see this many players suddenly playing tennis again. And there's only a couple of a few absences. And there's some players that we haven't seen in such a long time. Um, and it's great. I mean, can't wait to see Bianca Andreescu play again. I mean, it's it's about 15 months, isn't it? Mm, yeah, absolutely. And we will come on to talk about her. Just a, a few bits of housekeeping for you first, because we do uh, we have a mascot for the week. Hey. Uh, and uh, it is Lucky Chester, Chester the Rescue Cat, uh, because he's going to get three pods uh, for his mascot money, uh, because that's how many pods we're recording this week, because, of course, we'll have an Australian Open preview. And we will also have an Australian Open draw show on Thursday. And uh, my brother has actually put an alarm in his phone for the Australian Open draw because he is that um, excited about the mere possibility of Djokovic and Kyrgios being uh, (laughs) drawn to face one another, remote as it might be. We're not very Um, good at odds, but I mean, those are quite long odds, but... (sighs) Yeah, I mean, I would accept them being in the same sort of section of the draw. So you don't want to be banking on Kyrgios having to make 
the fourth round or quarters, but if they could be drawn in to face one another in the first three rounds. Mm. What are you saying? Results you dependent. I would, I would accept that. You mm. weren't encouraged by his pre-tournament press conference in which you said, I haven't really thought about tennis at all and I haven't no. missed it. And um, I don't know, know who I my just, opponent is and I just hit some serves. But that's just classic, isn't it? He's just pretending oh, yeah. that he doesn't care. I mean... Don't get me wrong, I suspect he has played a lot of Call of Duty in the past year. And if it were the Call of Duty Open, <laughs> uh, he would probably be the champion. What was the what was the game he was playing on the Rod Laver Arena? No, Fortnite. on the Fort, Fortnite. Maybe if it was the Fortnite Open, he would win. God, I sound old. Let's move on. <laughs> anyway, hello to Chester. Is that like lovely- Pac-Man? A <laughs> lovely rescue cat. Um, both of my childhood cats were rescues. Aww. And one was quite dysfunctional. But uh, In fact, they were both quite dysfunctional in very different ways, but uh, immensely lovable. And Chester looks lovely. Chester like looks lovely. And I had a teddy bear when I was a kid called Chester. He was my uh-huh. favourite teddy. Aww. Yeah. So hello to Chester. Hello to Rogue, to Scalzo Mousel and to Zeus. And I know we usually do this at the end, but we're going to do it at the beginning because we, we all sort of the beginning, we're about 10 minutes in, aren't we? But um, we keep neglecting to mention because I can't quite believe that it's real and true. But uh, Billie Jean King is also the mascot for Billie Jean K9. And those aren't words I thought I'd be saying <laughs> ever at, a, at any point in my life. Um but yeah, I'm going to say them at every possible opportunity. So, uh, tennis into the nitty gritty. I should say, by the way, that we all have tennis on as we're recording, which are some of my favourite pods when we're able to sort of casually have tennis on in the background. And I have missed that. Uh, we've all got the um, the sort of early 2010s throwback match of Marin Cilic against Jeremy Shardy. Shardy serving for it. It's it's gripping. Try not uh, to be too distracted, folks. Marin Chilis looks a bit stressed out. But he does. Yeah, that might be sleep he does. He, look, he looks like he's become a father in the past yeah. Yeah, few I, months. I definitely recognise that look in his <laughs> eye. <laughs> um, so that is on before us. That match is... Oh, God, I'm taking a punt here. That match is from the Murray River Open. I, I admire your... <laughs> your determination I'm it a real to, go here, folks. to go Could somebody for it. I've, haven't the fog used no idea it's either that or the great ocean road open because those are the two is. men's oh. ones I know that that is all I know okay. I, I would probably have got the gender wrong so um, you know well done yeah it's definitely one of those one He's of those two back, by the way he's love 30 there you go yeah, this match is taking place on the 1573 Arena, which um, of all the arenas to change their name, uh, I would have nominated that one because I don't <laughs> understand it. I don't understand it being called the 1573 Arena. But no, it is in fact the Melbourne Arena, which is which has had lots of names in the past. It's been... It's been Hisense, it's been Vodafone, then it became Melbourne, and it is now the John Kane Arena, uh, which is uh, named in honour of a former uh, Premier of Victoria uh, that died in December of 2019. He was Premier of Victoria um, up until 1990, 1982 to 1990. So we are really, really going to try uh, to to not call it. I mean, I'm still calling it the High Sense Arena. So <laughs> <laughs> they're getting a bit more bang um, for their buck. Hey, high I, sense. Uh, I really am going to try with that one. Um, the Rod Laver, uh, the Rod Laver. Oh God, can't even get that one right. The Rod Laver Arena is. Uh, oh my! It's because the puppy is chewing my fingers to the bone. Got over there. Billie Jean, you're sponsored by the actual yeah, Billie Jean King. I know, I know. It can't behave like this. It's embarrassment. Um, it's right, she's found Mr Squirrel. That is a constant <laughs> sort of source of entertainment. Um, so the Rod Laver Arena uh, is currently out of action. It will be brought into use uh, from the start of the ATP Cup. So that is tonight, UK time. Um, so the main court... Until now has been the the second biggest court at Melbourne Park, the Margaret Court Arena. And obviously, I'm sure all of you are aware of the 
the constant debates there has been over the past few years over the the naming of that arena because Margaret Court um, is consistently um, publicly making comments um, that that many people in my mind all right thinking people and certainly we find um intolerable um and she she you know she uses the platform that she has in order to to make those comments and spread what she believes is is the right message um we understand the position that tennis australia are in with regard to the naming of that arena it's a very delicate tightrope for them to walk and they are very clear that the naming of that arena honours her achievements as a tennis player and um, has nothing to do with any views that she might have expressed. And some people might might endorse that and think that you can separate the the achievements and honour those with, with a naming and, and it not have anything to do um, with whatever other views they might have. Um, but over the course of the past few months, the past year really, um, and due to tennis relived in large part we've sort of been on a bit of a journey haven't we with coming to understand the significance of the names of things you know in particular with the Arthur Ashe Stadium and that Arthur Ashe podcast we did ahead of the US Open but also the significance of the unveiling of that Althea Gibson statue and what a great shame it is that there isn't more named after Althea Gibson and the fact that it's no coincidence that far too few people are aware of her and what she achieved, particularly relative to, say, Arthur Ashe, who does have this significant, huge stadium named after him. So we have decided that just amongst ourselves on this podcast, we are going to call the second stadium at Melbourne Park the Yvonne Goolagong Arena. Yeah, absolutely. That's um, right. And and I think it's... Um, the. It became heightened to me when we covered Yvonne Goolagong in our Tennis Relived show of last week. And and it was just such a pleasure to find out more about her, to watch her, to understand what she's meant to people, the, the positive messages that she has sent around the world and, and the good she has done for the Indigenous community in Australia. And and I've I've felt ashamed that I knew so little about her and what she'd achieved. And I and I think the response that we've had tells us that many people, certainly in the UK and around the world, and there are many, many fans of hers as well who did know all about her, but I feel like a lot of people had some blanks filled in last week that listened to that show. Um, and over the course of the last week, I, I was thinking back to – that protest last year by Martina Navratilova and John McEnroe, which which was very well meaning in 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 sort of hijacking that arena and and, and holding aloft a a, a self made sign that said Yvonne Gulagong Arena, beautiful sign actually, um, but using the Australian Open facilities to do so, and and they subsequently apologised for doing that because they would signed up not to. Uh, to do those sort of things with their with their accreditation uh, and so forth. So, you know, we we want to do this in a in a very respectful manner, um, understanding Tennis Australia's position. But yeah, just in our own way, making clear how we feel about it, um, and therefore we're going to yeah name it ourselves or refer to it as the Yvonne Gulagong Arena because we feel that that's what it should be called. Mm. And it's not to disrespect Margaret Court's achievements on the tennis court. Um, it's just to say that we believe that there is a lot more significance to the naming of of something than just than just honouring pure tennis achievements. And you need only to look to the Arthur Ashe Stadium for for evidence of that. Um, so that's what we're going to do. I say that's what we're going to do. Obviously, I will forget because I can't. <laughs> I can't even not call it the high sense arena. <laughs> uh, um, so that's what we're going to try, try to do. Good intentions are half the battle, Catherine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so what have we seen so far in terms of tennis? Well, Victoria Kuzmova lost before I'd even registered that tennis was happening again. <sighs> 
I honestly hadn't realised it had started. I hadn't quite got straight in my mind what time it was all kicking off and the time difference with the UK and therefore what time I should tune in. And by the time I tuned in, Victoria Kismova, bless her, was already out of the tournament. And she was my first pole vault of the year. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know, if memory serves, and I could be slightly out here, I think she was the first player to lose at the Australian Open last year. She was, Matt. Mm. I remember watching that screen eagerly. It was a, you know, she was in a race. She was in a race with someone else, with another, wasn't she? And bless mm. her, she won that race. <laughs> How do you remember this stuff? Well, because I'm tormented by it. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm tagged in Twitter posts every time she loses. <laughs> That's one of my favourite things. Yeah. Oh, it's very funny. I've, I've sort of got myself in a bit of a predicament here because I absolutely want to be taking some credit if she ever does do anything (laughs) of note at all. And yet I'm also quite eager to distance myself and (laughs) admit that I made a mistake, but I realised that would be having it both ways. So, yeah, I'm kind of stuck with what to do about Kuzmova. Well, you you don't need to think about her for the rest of the week Mm. because she's old news. She must be wondering why on earth she bothered with the trip. But anyway, hopes are high for the Australian Open. She she doesn't need no no warm up tournament. <laughs> she uh, was beaten by Daria Gavrilova. Yes, who, she was. Uh, featured who in sets your, up your first big match of the tournament watching experience, didn't she? Yeah, she set up a meeting with Serena Williams. That match was played at what time this morning, Matt? Well, I I had my alarm for about half past five, and Serena was on shortly after that went off. So I I, I watched all of that match and. Serena was really good, a, a really strong overall performance. I think she won it 6-1, 6-4. She was especially good in that first set, very clean, really good movement, no sign of the Achilles injury, which she had at the end of last season, which she which she said, in a, I think in her press conference afterwards, that the fact that the tournament was moved back three weeks later was the reason she was able to play it. She needed those weeks for her recovery. Yeah, she said um, that the Australian Open being pushed back was, quote, an unwanted blessing. Um, it was much needed for me, she says, uh, because of that Achilles injury. Mm. Um, she says it's, she didn't quite say she was 100% fit, but she just said it's a lot better now. Mm. I think something to look out for with Serena, I, I was looking back at her results from the end of last season. The last three matches she lost, she all lost from a set-up to Shelby Rogers in Lexington, to Zachary at the Western Southern Open, and then it was Azarenka, wasn't it, at the US Open. And then she obviously pulled out of her second round match at the French Open, so that wasn't technically a a loss. But I think what we've noticed with Serena over the last few years is how long can she sustain her best tennis? And I think that is perhaps becoming one of her problems she she's she's coming out of the blocks brilliantly but she's not quite able to sustain it and opponents are reeling her in a little bit and that it didn't happen today against Gavrilova she maintained a level that was too good for Gavrilova but there was a difference between that first set and that second set and I do just wonder whether a better opponent might have pushed Serena even more in that second set and made that difficult I really do think that is something to watch with Serena whether whether she's going to be pushed and whether she can sustain her best level over the course of a whole match and and she could perhaps do with being pushed in this week's tournament so that she's not Mm. pushed for the first time in the Australian Open Um, I wish I could tell you who was in her draw that that might push her (laughs) but I'm just I'm just scanning (laughs) through the two draws that she might be in to try and identify which one she was is in so David um say your piece (laughs) (laughs) fill in in some time um there there was um a moment first of all when because i i switched on i I didn't wake up as early as matt but i switched on halfway through the match and there was a moment a little bit of a tighter moment where she hit a winner and she let rip a a danielle collins type (laughs) raw um which really woke me up i tell you um (laughs) but you know i got i got the sense that she was in quite in a good place mentally, at least. She mm, looked very composed. She looked really up for mm. it. I noticed she's playing Svetlana Peronkova next, which yes, is somebody in the, she's. Um, the Yarra Valley. In the Yarra Valley. 
yeah um open cup yes Some, classic, something like I that i think classic oh okay no yarra <laughs> is it yarra valley yeah yeah yarra, yeah. River. yarra river no i think it's yarra valley yes correct that's what it yeah, says anyway. Because I talked about the wine, <sighs> didn't I? And the wine comes from the Yarra Valley. It throw me off my game when I'm getting it right, Matt. <laughs> uh, and, and actually, if she won that one, it'd be the Pliskova or Daniel Collins after that, Carolyn Pliskova. So, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of opposition to go through. And actually, I think the high quality of these events, because there's so many events, um, the draws aren't that big. And you, you get high quality in each one of them. Um, so I think there are going to be some good tests. I do feel that this is the first year that we've gone into where I don't think she's going to win a Grand Slam title, personally. You know, I've I've been th- always thinking, she's. I've, how many times have I predicted her as the champion? Probably do the world a good not to be by me. Um, but, you know, it's um, it just feels different now. Um, that it feels like that, that when you reeled off the other day, Matt, that list of players that have won slams since 2017 when we were reliving that, there just feels so much depth there, so many players that could beat Serena mm. that that I think that this is um, now probably going to be too much for her. Crucially, so many players whose best might now be better than Serena's best. I I kind of feel like, as you said, Matt, it's about how long it lasts, that mm. best. Because remember that first set she played against Azarenka the other month? Mm. Yeah, it was and astonishing was level. Awesome. Yeah, true, yeah. But she got and reeled she did, in. I, I watched, I obviously didn't wake up at 5.30, ludicrous concept. Um, <laughs> but I did, uh, I did watch that match this morning uh, uh, in bed with the puppy. Um, and I was very, very impressed by Serena. I did think she looked really good. But then... Of course. She's Serena. She is <laughs> um, really good. Of co- yeah, she's really, really good. So I don't know I don't know how much to look into it. I also think Venus Williams looked really good yesterday. Yeah, she beat Arantia Roos six one six three. Um I should say that I would expect those players that were in Adelaide to look significantly better than anybody else thus far. Um but then it's difficult you need to adjust that for the fact that they were in Adelaide because they are the best players. So it's going to be very difficult to discern how much is down to them just being great and how mm. much is down to them having significantly kinder quarantine conditions. But Venus Williams, I thought, did look really good. And she now faces Petra Kvitova. Yes, please. Venus, Venus against yeah. Petra Kvitova. Yeah. Oh, that's yes, good. tomorrow night. I in, think. That is also in the Yarra Valley Classic. Right. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. 
Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Can I just give you a little chill it's shardy update? Because it, you know how shardy was serving for the match and he was at love 30. And well, Chilich broke him, went 6 3 up in the tie break. He's had five match points. It's now eight all in the tie break. Chilich on his fifth match point double faulted into the net. And, and he almost couldn't hit the serve because he threw it back behind him so far. Uh, and he almost fell over. Oh, Marin. Gosh. So it's, Eight all in He's the third. He's had a year to work on those service yips. It looks so stressful out there. And now Shardy's just hit a clean winner. So he saved five match points and now Shardy's got match point. So there you yeah. are. Shardy wow. on his own serve. He's, he's won it. My dad will be delighted to be hearing this because uh, he sent me a message earlier saying, I'm watching the pods whipping boy Shardy <laughs> versus Chilich. He thinks he's had a rough ride on the we tennis like podcast. Jeremy Shardy. He's we a do. Bloke. He's my neighbour. I'm a big Is fan. Oh. Yeah, he lives in, I mean, I, yeah, relative. He lives in Parsons Green, doesn't he? He's a Londoner. Right, I see. Okay. Um. So well done, Shardy. You've won through to the second round of a tournament. Um, <laughs> Which one good, was it? Good it for doesn't... you. It's either the Murray River or the... Um, Great Ocean Road. Great Ocean Road. Right. Okay, of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, lovely concept, as you say, but don't expect me to keep on top of it. <laughs> um, Simona Halep uh, also won very, very easily. She beat uh, Anastasia Potapova. Svitolina won. Um, Coco Goff won in three over Jill Teichman. Yeah, it was a final that set tiebreak. Mm. Mm. Yeah, did we, did we, it was in the middle of the night, so obviously I was fast asleep, but did we... Did did anybody watch that? I watched a lot of Jill Teichman in Lexington uh, last year, and she can really play. Mm. She's had most of her results on um, on clay, uh, but she really can play, mm. and um, she's got a fair bit of variety. So I'm not I'm not necessarily that surprised that she's she's troubled Coco Goff. Yeah, I think Goff was having a little bit of trouble with her serve again, certainly in the sort of key pressure moments, but somehow managed to find a way through that tiebreak. And she now plays Katie Bolter, who I mm. did watch some of. Um, yes, me too. And I thought she was excellent. I think she did some of her off-season training in Alicante and she just seems just seems very ready for this season. Obviously, she's been blighted by that back injury she had. I was also reading an interview she did with Donald McRae in The Guardian in which she talked very openly about her chronic fatigue syndrome which I knew was a thing but I didn't quite realize how long she she'd had that and um, how it affects the way she trains she said she reached her highest ever ranking doing one practice session a day and no gym work and she was kind of talking about how the conditions in quarantine therefore weren't actually too bad for her because they put a limit on the amount of work she could do so I thought that was really interesting and if she's in a good place physically, I'm very excited to see what she can do this year because it, it feels like she should be a top 75 player kind of consistently with her weapons. And, and she really hit Kalinskaya off the court today. Uh, such, a, such a huge forehand. I remember watching her beat Makarova at the Australian Open a couple of years ago when that, when that forehand was such a weapon. So I think Goff versus Bolter should be, uh, should be very interesting overnight. She'll forever mm. be the answer to a quiz question, Katie Bolter, won't she? About the uh, ten-point tie break. Mm. Won yes. the first ever Grand Slam ten-point tie break. Yeah, and she thought year's. she'd won it when she got to seven. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I two thought years she looked ago. really sharp. Um, for her, it's all about. Was it two years ago? Gosh, oh, I've 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 erased last year. Mm. Um, <clears throat> she yeah, she looked really sharp. I know movement can be her. Mm her bet noir and she can look like a different player if she's got an opponent that really is able to expose that and get her on the move but when when the ball's in the strike zone she's such a pleasing player to watch well if you if you remember back two years ago aside from that 
win over Makarova, the the way she performed at the Fed Cup yeah. in February and April of that year. And she looked okay. Not every opponent was, was the best opponent, but there were some good ones. Um, and she looked a real player and a heck of a fighter. I loved the way she scrapped. But yeah, I mean, it was a stress fracture of the back pretty much, I think. Mm. And, and she just couldn't play. Is her body going to be durable enough? That's a big question mark but i hope we find out i hope for for her sake i hope she gets a proper run at it to see how good mm. she can be mm. and i think she was just coming back wasn't she when covid hit she was she was just sort of starting to play again and i think maybe she'd even had a, a win in indian wells qualifying something like that and then obviously the season shut down so hopefully she can finally build a bit of momentum uh, Fran Jones played uh, through the night. I watched the early stages of that match. Uh, she lost out to Nadia Podoroska of uh, French Open semi-final fame. It's going to be interesting to see um, Podoroska what she's what she's able to do to back up that run. Um, one really notable thing that lots of people have been commenting on about what we've seen so far is the sparse crowds. Um, obviously. Uh, we saw the what? What was the Adelaide exhibition called? A day at the drive, and the drive referred to the Adelaide Memorial Drive, drive. Tennis Centre. Right. Yes. So a day at the drive exhibition. <clears throat> that was obviously tennis's big return post quarantine. That was a, a one day exhibition on Friday featuring. The players that had been quarantining in Adelaide, so top players in the world, and it was a, a small, smaller venue, smaller stadium, a new one in fact than than in Melbourne, but it was packed, and the atmosphere was glorious, and it felt like this celebratory festival of tennis is back, and it feels like normal, and it pressed all of my FOMO buttons, and I thought. I was so conflicted watching it. It was glorious, but it was making me ache. And I thought, God, you, you've got to ex- expose yourself to this because this is what it's going to be like for the next three weeks. It's going to s- set you on fire and, and also make you ache all at the same time. And then come to Melbourne and the 75 tournaments that are happening there, and they're pretty empty, really quite empty to the extent that I was looking up whether there were even crowds allowed in yeah, I didn't I, I wondered whether that was the, the issue as well the, whether yeah it, <laughs> yeah know. very confusing um and uh, crowds are allowed in um in fact you 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 put a you mentioned it on Twitter Dave and you had a reply from the uh, the commentator Alison Mitchell who has been over in Australia for a long time she does a lot of uh, work on the the cricket for for channel seven out there does some tennis work as well um, used to do a lot of work for the BBC, Alison Mitchell. Um, she's great. She she replied to you saying, um, number one, uh, Australian Open is on the radar. These tournaments less so. Number two, work and schools are back, whereas the AO is usually a key part of the summer holidays. Um, and point number three, there is apprehension of many Melburnians about crowds, even with reduced capacity. She said, then again, Yarra bars were buzzing on Sunday night. So reckon come AO, it will change. Smiley face. But yeah, it's very it's, interesting. It, well, and, a, and a few people also replied from the area. I mean, some people had gone, but a lot of people did say that they are apprehensive, that they... And that's something that I'm looking out for. Uh, one of the things with the with the Adelaide site was seeing this full crowd, and I don't believe anybody had masks on. Or at least I wasn't aware of anybody having a mask on. And uh, and I know it, it took some uh, some some people watching from the states, particularly by surprise. I think Patrick McEnroe remarked on it on Twitter about wow. You know, full crowd, no masks. What's go- you know, what's going on? Um, and of course, I think they're up to in certainly in Melbourne now. They're up to what twenty five days of successive uh, lack of any positive transmissions and tests. Um, but are people expected to wear them or not? I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, and and it's an alarming sight to see without even though it makes total sense in terms of if if the virus just isn't around then you've got nothing to worry about i suppose is the argument the the alternative argument is that well 
isn't it a better message to send out globally that you that you wear them that's that's an argument um but i know that watching it we're so used to it now it just makes you feel a little bit anxious because we're so used to having to keep our distance and and wear masks Mm. i'm a bit torn about it because i think um sort of scientifically medically there uh, i don't I can totally see that there isn't, I mean, mask wearing isn't really a thing, I don't think, in Australia, because they've just taken this completely different hardline approach to it, lockdown early, lockdown completely, close borders and eliminate the virus. You know, that is their approach rather than kind of manage it and limit spread. Um, so, you know, with, with zero cases... Um, there is very little call for masks, but equally, I think optics really, really matter um, with this. You know, you've got players. I noticed the players walking out onto, onto the court wearing masks, and my first thought was, "Well, we all know that you you haven't worn masks in the locker room, and you're just going to take them off as soon as you start the match. So, w- what's the point?" And then, and then I sort of corrected myself, and I thought, actually, no, the fact that I'm noticing it is important and that messaging is important and it, there's very little cost to it for the players to 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 make that show of of mask wearing um so why not um but then i suppose you could argue for a crowd all day in sweltering heat there is quite a cost to mask wearing i certainly wouldn't want to it would put me off going to watch tennis if i knew i had to sit there all day wearing a mask in 40 degrees mm. developing significant mask acne i was the struggle is real i was surprised though to see so few people there when i when when alison said that or um, when it was confirmed that you can go um Mm. i just sort of thought melbourne would be all over it really it's pretty Um, jarring it's pretty mm. jarring it's going to be interesting to see how that develops i think i mean and particularly for the atp cup yeah as well i think there probably will be an increase tomorrow with Australia playing in the ATP Cup, Nadal and Djokovic on the schedule. I think that will be a real sort of litmus test, I suppose, in terms of of how many people are are showing up. And as soon as it starts, I should think it will take off from there in terms of the Mm. crowd size. The Yes, the the ATP Cup, which is still called the ATP Cup, that kicks... (laughs) That kicks off tonight. Um, the draws are, there are four groups of three. You've got Serbia, Germany, Canada in Group A, and Spain, Greece, Australia in Group B, Austria, Italy, France, Group C, and Russia, Argentina, Japan, Group D. Um, Pam Shriver made the point on Twitter, just drew attention to the fact that there's no American team in the ATP Cup. And rightly so, there's no American man in the world's top 20. And that's, it's, it's nothing new, particularly the state of uh, American men's tennis, but it is pretty jarring. Um, mm. So, I mean, that's a whole whole debate in itself, but just an interesting one to draw attention to. Um, and yeah, so kicking things off tonight, uh, we've got Canada against Serbia, Djokovic against Shapovalov, the pick of the matches there. Uh, every one of the it's a great day one every one of the matches particularly the doubles every one of the ties features at least one player that I've never heard of which is my favourite thing about Mm -hmm. the ATP Cup Uh, the Serbia-Canada tie has Nikola Kacic playing doubles alongside Filip Krajinovic so good luck to you Nikola Um, that follows on from Djokovic-Shapovalov which I'm very much here for uh, and then the night session tie is Spain against Australia. Roberto Bautista Gut and John Millman. Uh, and then it's Rafael Nadal against Alex de Menor. Yes, please. And then actually a doubles match featuring four four players that I have heard of. It's quite a, quite an interesting line that I read about how few of the Australians have won matches in the uh, in the first couple of days, mm. despite having not had any quarantine at all. Um, and you know that's again. It's just such a fascinating few weeks ahead to see what whether conditions they've been in make any difference to how they get on. Mm. And Bernard Tomic, bless him, had to withdraw with a knee injury. Managed to put a muscle in quarantine or whatever. Yeah, 
I'm quite interested whether the ATP Cup is good preparation for the Australian Open or not. I remember we had this debate last year in terms of its intensity. And David, you made a very interesting case that was it too intense to start the season? And then Djokovic won it, and then he won the Australian <laughs> Open. Yeah, but... <laughs> and I think there was quite a lot to that. I mean, de Menor, for example. We, we were all in on that case for a while, David. Yeah, yeah and Alex de Menor, for example, quiet. got injured and couldn't play the Australian Open. But I think this year specifically, there's no gap between the two events. And for the top players to win the ATP Cup, it's four matches against fellow players in the top ten. There's no sort of opportunity to really pace yourself, which I think is what quite a lot of players like at the start of the season. So it does offer a slightly different dynamic to the one last year. And I think I think generally with this tournament, when's the best round to go out? You know, do you want hmm. to be playing right to the end? I mean, I know in the Western Southern Open, the Osaka-Azarenka final there ended up being the US Open final as well. So it didn't really make much difference. But... I remember Raonic had a brilliant Western Southern Open, went out quite early in, in the US Open. Same with Bautista Agu. I think this week is quite a lot about pacing yourself and getting the matches you need. I just wonder whether the ATP Cup is pretty demanding. Do you think that they will put the handbrake on at all? Or some maybe of these they players? will. I should think they probably will. Yeah. I mean, last year they didn't. But no. I should think they will this year. Yes. Djokovic has got that horrible blister, of course, on his mm. hand. So, mm. I mean... Which he, he says is fine now. It looked horrible. It did look bad, yeah. It meant he didn't uh, I play would say the exhibition. Djokovic is a lot better at putting the handbrake on than Nadal is. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if Nadal has a handbrake. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think in the ATP Cup last year, Nadal didn't play the final doubles which was a bit mm. of an indication that he was treating it as a kind of Australian Open warm-up. Obviously, yeah. there were points and everything, and he wanted to win, but he didn't go all in. I suppose the players might do a little bit more of that this year. Mm. Yeah, that is interesting. Uh, Russia against Argentina features uh, a doubles match with the pairing of Evgeny Donskoy and Aslan Karatsev. Very keen to know whether Aslan Karatsev is in fact named after the <laughs> lion in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. So if anybody can tell me that, I would like to know, because it's a great name. Why are you looking at me? I, I haven't got the foggiest. I have not no. seen that. Uh, so that is the ATP Cup, which kicks off tonight. Uh, tonight being Monday night UK time. Uh, throwing ahead to Tuesday night UK time, which is Wednesday morning, afternoon Australia time. That is when the Hard Quarantine Cup, also known as the, the Grampians, Grampians. Grampians Trophy, <laughs> kicks off. Uh, and that is where you'll find Bianca Andreescu. And if if I had to pick only one tennis player to watch... Yeah. This week, it would be Bianca Andreescu. I'm so on the edge of my seat to see her play, and it's. I was gutted that she was she was the one. She was one of the one one of the seventy two um, subjected to the hard quarantine. Although she didn't seem that gutted, or and if she was, she's she certainly kept that pretty close to her chest I get the impression particularly on the basis of uh, an interview she gave to Tamani Carriol in The Guardian that, that over the weekend that um, that what she's been through in the past year injury wise has given her such a sense of perspective on on tennis and and has very much helped her get through n not just quarantine but the difficulties of being a tennis player in the past few months um she describes that last year she sometimes sometimes I would just sit in my bed and cry. She would say she said um, to Tamani. Incidentally, in an interview uh, in which it was disclosed in the uh, the intro that she she had to interrupt the interview for a COVID test, which is that's very now, isn't it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Not came to her door. Um, but I find that really interesting. I mean, I guess it's no great surprise. I mean, awful what happened to her injury-wise. Pretty much immediately after winning that US Open, yes, she went to she went to China. She played that amazing match with Naomi Osaka, which 
just further whetted our appetites about her potential and then had to to withdraw from Shenzhen or retire from her match and, and withdraw from the tournament in Shenzhen and that was that was curtains on her until now and yeah of of course it would have been incredibly tough but I guess you know you don't hear from someone for a year all you see is their Instagram and it looks like oh she's she's doing all right you know she but you don't you don't put the rubbish stuff on Instagram, do you? No one puts a post of themselves sitting in their bed and crying. Not very often. Um, and she's, I know, I, I I do find her a, an example of somebody that if you just have a think about what that's like, I mean, yes, she's got a great life. She's won the US Open. She's got no money worries, all that sort of thing. But the one thing that she wants to be doing and that she wants to do for her career, she just hasn't been allowed to do. Her body hasn't let her do it, and then the pandemic hasn't let her do it. And obviously, everybody's in the same boat to some degree there. But that is a massive amount of time of your career. Given, her, I mean, she's played less than she has played since the start of her career. Um, and when she has played, she's just been a, a joy and a, and a factor every single time. Um, and it's she's kind of the great unknown now. Because we don't really know what she'll come back out like. I hope that I hope it's like riding a bike and that she just picks up and starts playing like she did when she won the US Open. Because if you throw that in with Serena Williams and Naomi Osaka looking like a different player now, um, and Igor Sviantek and 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 Ash Barty and Simona Halep, who who we we've got this line about her having been in the top ten for the last eight years. I mean these are. There's so much good stuff there. And she, I agree with you. She's the one that I will find out what time she's playing. And I don't care what else is going on. I'm going to watch that. You're going to have to wait uh, a little while because she has a bye in the first round as the top seed. I mean, come on. <laughs> no. What do you need that for? Yeah, and you also do you need a buy in a draw that small? Do you need buys? I, th- I think I don't know. they just weren't enough players. To, yes, to fill, okay. to fill the draw. <laughs> uh, but in the second round, she will face either her countrywoman Leila Fernandez, of course, the uh, the really promising youngster that's making that transition from juniors to seniors, or fellow U.S. Open champion Sloane Stevens. I mean, come on, that's a that's a draw and a half. Mm. That. That's a good one, isn't it? Uh, also, in that draw, sorry, Matt, go ahead. I was going to say, then there's potential aggro alert in the in the round after because it's uh, Angelique Ooh. Kerber of uh, biggest what was it biggest drama queen ever. <laughs> Splendid. <laughs> yes, Kerber, no buy for her. She has uh, Siniakova, Katarina Siniakova, in the opening round, and then would face either Onsjeba or Anna Blinkova. And then it would maybe be Andreescu awaiting. Uh, Azarenka has a bye. She could play Putin's saver in the second round. Uh, Jennifer Brady uh, faces Svetlana Kuznetsova. Now, I think Jennifer Brady is entered in doubles. Yeah, she's she's one of the ones who's in singles at the Hard oh. Quarantine Cup and doubles somewhere else playing with Barty. Yes, because we know they're going to play doubles together at the Australian Open. Yeah. So apparently you can enter both draws in separate tournaments. The news that I needed. Um, Maria Zachary is in this draw. She uh, also gets a bye in the opening round. Heather Watson is there. And Belinda Bencic, the second seed at the bottom of the draw, she also gets a bye. She would place, face either Castea or Alison Risk. So that's the Grampians trophy. Have any other trophies popped up since I've been talking <laughs> that we need to discuss? Amazingly, no. <laughs> um, do we have any other business? Do we have anything else we want to talk about? Do we have any other ones to watch? Or Conditions are quick. Ooh. Are they? A la 2017. Well... I should say this is this is a second-hand assessment of the conditions. It was an interview I was reading with John Millman. He was saying that he wasn't allowed to practice at Melbourne Park last week because that's where all the players who had travelled 
internationally were practicing. So the Australians were being kept apart from them. But he was a bit frustrated that he wasn't able to practice because he was hearing everything he was hearing was that the conditions were a bit different this year, a bit quicker. Uh, apparently the balls are not fluffing up. They're really flying. And the actual surface is a slightly different composition to the one they had last year. A bit less sandy, a bit less grippy. We spoke in our 2017 show about how much we love that those quick conditions that year. So hopefully if they are a bit faster this year, we will we will enjoy those as well. But conditions... I'm always I always take assessment of conditions with a pinch of salt. You, you you speak to two different players and they have completely different opinions on on what it is. So uh so we'll see, I suppose. But personally I'm hoping that they are a bit quicker. Mm. Who will be hoping that they're not? Who will be disappointed by that? Djokovic. Mm. Djokovic likes it quick, doesn't he? But there are more other Don't players, know. there are more mm. opponents of his that like it quick. Actually, this stage in his career, he probably does prefer it a bit quicker than he used to. I mean, you know, I just think... It, I mean, I, mean I, think he, I think he'll be fine with yeah, it, he's whatever. He's won Wimbledon so many times. And sure, yeah. yeah. But Wimbledon's you know. slower than it used to be. Mm. Mm. Mind you, 2017, if it was quick, he didn't do so well that year. I mean, I know there are other factors. Um, yeah, very interesting. Who will it favour? I'm trying to think of somebody who may really have a benefit if it ends up quick i mean there's not that many players serena. these days yeah yeah i think she could yeah absolutely mm. good definitely point definitely serena um right then well we're, we're coming back with another one of these on on thursday and and another over the weekend and then they're coming at you daily from next week so um <laughs> when there'll just be one tournament happening <laughs> and I'll, I'll be in my happy place um but it's great to be talking about tennis again oh, isn't it lovely yeah, we have missed it. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. Not that the absence has stopped us or anything. <laughs> no. It's great to be talking about tennis that's happening before our very eyes now, live in the world, is happening. Uh, a reminder of our mascots. David, yours is uh, Rogue. Rogue, Rogue who, uh, who I've seen a couple of cracking pictures of recently yeah rogue is uh, very photogenic rogue was listening to our podcast had the had the app up on the phone next to yes the pete sampras pod yeah mm. Mm. my parents weren't having it about pete sampras by the way yeah i know i'm not talking to them at the moment <laughs> so we listened to the pod we really enjoyed it great work still opinions unchanged about pete sampras <laughs> they were unmoved unmoved yeah <laughs> Something to do with him always having his mouth open and wearing very baggy shorts. Anyway, uh, Matt, your mascot is Scousel Mousel. Yes. And mine is Zeus. And Billie Jean's, who she's now curled up good as gold on my feet, uh, just basking in the fact that she is sponsored by actual Billie Jean King, the human, which is extraordinary. Um, Our pet mascot for the week on the podcast is Chester. Right, Chester. Lovely, lovely Chester. Um, and our executive producer is Chris Albert Lee. So thank you very much to top bloke Chris Albert Lee. What about shout outs? Oh, shout outs. <laughs> Who are they, Matt? They are Julie Westfall. Hey, Ooh. Julie. Thanks, Hello, Julie. Julie. Is there like a, a Julie Eastfall that's your, <laughs> that's your great rival? <laughs> Sounds like a sort of magical place, doesn't it? Westfall. Doesn't it? Yeah. Mm. Hello, on holiday there. Hello, Julie. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Glenn Norman. Oh, like Magnus. Nearly like the golfer. Or Greg. Yes. Yeah. Cheers, Glenn. G- Thanks ever G- so much. G Norman, you've got to be good at golf. I wonder how many times he gets that. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> no, yeah, I know. Sorry. What a cliche we are. <laughs> <laughs> and Declan Byrne. Oh, hello, Declan. I, I reckon I could, I'd quite like to be called Declan. I can imagine you as a Declan. Yeah, it's a good name. Declan Rice. Yeah. We got any others? He's on the up, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I think he's going to go to the Euros, which definitely won't happen. But in principle, swap Declan. Declan Law. Declan Byrne for the tennis podcast. Yeah. Okay then. Uh, Thank you to all three of you for your support. Um, It's much appreciated. And as I say, we'll be back with an Australian Open draw dissection come Thursday. We'll speak to you then. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.